You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Houston, we have a podcast. You're listening to the Premier Rockets Podcast. It's H-Town Hoops, hosted by Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane. That's right. It is the H-Town Hoops Podcast. Brandon Scott here with Adam Spillane, Austin Mendez, producing this thing for us behind the scenes. And we're going to get right into it, man. We've got what I would classify, Adam, as an exciting pool or at least an interesting candidate pool here for uh, for the for the Houston Rockets as they you know go into hiring a new head coach. As uh, Of course, as we covered in the last podcast, dismissed Steven Silas or decided not to renew Steven Silas's contract. Now it is the interview process time, time to start requesting interviews and actually doing them. Frank Vogel, former Los Angeles Lakers head coach, obviously a former Indiana Pacers head coach, uh, won a championship with the Lakers. He is the one to have interviewed so far. And we have a list of names here of inter- interview requests. And we've gone over some of these already in, pre- in a previous episode. But we've got Kenny Atkinson, Adrian Griffin, Kevin Young, James Borrego, and of course, Ime Udoka is the one who is not employed right now, who's also a potential candidate. But let's start, Adam, with Frank Vogel and your reaction there. I think we already kind of anticipated him being a candidate or somebody that they would be interested in, obviously somebody that they'd be interested in. But what are you hearing and what are your thoughts on them interviewing Frank Vogel for this vacancy? Yeah, that, that was one of the names that you were that you were that we were hearing about, you know, back during the winter. That that was going to be one of the first calls that they made. Um, I, I've always thought personally that Tillman Fertitta wants to like sit up at the podium during a press conference and be able to say we have a championship head coach, and that's what Frank Vogel is. Frank Vogel is one of the few that few active head coaches to have won championships, and basically one of the few, at least right now, that are uh, that are that are available. So he certainly makes sense. You know, he's obviously he's won a lot. You know, he's had kind of a strange career where he took over this Indiana team from Jim O'Brien and they were young and didn't seem to have much of a direction. And then they really grew with each other. They grew with Paul George as the best player. You, you know, they they built really good defenses with Roy Hibbert anchoring things in with George, obviously. And you had George Hill and uh, and. Uh, Shoot the the power forward whose name that I that I can't remember, um, so that's you know the that is D- D- were you talking about David West? Yes, thank you, David West. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, uh, I, yeah. and I was I was muted when I was trying to step in there. So my bad. And, yeah. you know, Lance, Lance Stevenson was on those teams. So you know they were they were basically for a three year stretch the the second best team in the East. They just couldn't get past LeBron. And, you know, there's no shame in, you know, having trouble getting past LeBron. Paul George gets hurt. That whole thing falls apart. Then he goes to Orlando, and it was just really – it was just a strange fit. 
in Orlando. Um, they seem to have no direction whatsoever. He gets there and they make that really weird Serge Ibaka trade where they give up Victor Oladipo and a first round pick. And then they had signed a couple, they had a couple other bigs on the roster. They, it just, it, it was a roster that made no sense. He had no chance. They got rid of him after a couple of years. Then he went to the Lakers and the first year was really good. And they obviously, even before the bubble, they were probably the best team in the league when COVID came around. And then they were obviously great in the bubble and they won a championship and really dominated for much of that postseason. And then, you know, the Lakers thing kind of fell apart, some poor roster decisions and what have you. So I, I do think that Frank Vogel is a really strong candidate. He's a, he's a head coach who has very much been underappreciated uh, over the course of his career. Some of the offensive stuff, you know, if, if you do hire him, I think you want to bring in an offensive guy to at least help with that part of the game. But the defensive stuff, I don't think there's been ever been any question about that. Yeah, and, and the defensive stuff, obviously, I mean, this is not it's a bad team, okay? It's bad offensively, it's bad defensively. But the defensive stuff is what stands out in particular, and we talked about that a lot too. And so – that is to me what makes it really intriguing. Obviously, the things that you mentioned about him being a championship coach, I think there's something to that. You know, not just being able to say it, but having that experience of being a championship coach and, you know, having worked with, obviously, did not go well with Orlando, as you mentioned, but he does have that experience. Like, you would like to think that there's something that he could take from that and apply it and has applied it to his, you know, further experience, right? That's just, that's kind of how life works anyway. So, so you, I actually like that aspect. The, the thing that's kind of you know kind of sticky about it if you're a Rockets fan is like being worried about things being good for him at every other stop where you know with the Pacers there's the clear franchise player where and I, and I guess Paul George emerged into that while he was there but you got Paul George with the Pacers but then he goes to Orlando where it's you know like you said a weird team and then the Lakers there's an obvious appeal there with or an opportunity there with AD and LeBron James you know, and so that's successful. And then the next trip is to the Rockets. And so it's like, okay, is this the every other, you know, is this the, is this his, you know, is this more analogous to his Orlando situation than it is to say the Pacers and the Rockets or the Pacers and the Lakers situation, which is what I would be sort of concerned about. Um, and maybe that's more for him to be concerned about than for the Rockets to be concerned about because he would obviously be an upgrade. But it is something that I kind of just thought about just in terms of his journey and sort of the irony of that. Um, that's just that's kind of interesting about it but there, there's no question about it like going back to my earlier point about I, I I think that beyond the vanity point of being able to just say you've got a championship head coach there is some value in bringing in and we'll talk about some of these other candidates but the thing that stands out about him and maybe a couple of others is that he has been a head coach and been a successful head coach and, and that you have the track record you know one of the most I think coaching is one of the harder things to predict, like, can a guy coach? Will a guy be a good coach before you've seen him do it? And so there's just a value to me in a guy that you have seen do it, and obviously with Vogel in multiple stops. And he's a defensive guy, and I think Rafael Stone would probably tell you that he likes that defense is probably most important on his list as well. So I think that those two kind of mesh in, in that way. Um, it's – you know, it's a different roster than I, obviously it's a much younger roster than he probably has ever had to deal with. And, you know, on, on that aspect of it, just, you know, Orlando, they saw, they paid Bismack Biombo a ton of money and then traded their best guard in order to get another big and Serge Ibaka. It just, there was clearly, and they already had Aaron Gordon at the time. There was clearly no direction there. 
and you would hope with the Rockets they're not going to trade any sort of young asset to you know get us get some other veteran who's right on the brink of free. you know that whole thing was just a mess. Um, he might not be the most exciting name, you know, he might be a little underwhelming to some people, but I mean, all you have to do is look at what he did to the Rockets and what those Lakers teams did to the Rockets uh, during that 2020 postseason, and it should tell you that he's going to be able to put together a really good defense. And I think that, like you said, that's what this team really could use, just some sort of direction, some sort of organization in that part of their game. Yeah, yeah, Adam, just off the top of my head, the only openings that I've really thought about are the Rockets and the Pistons. Yeah, that, that's really it. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I, I guess – and that answer, I guess that answers my question because I was going to say – you know, more than I look at it almost the other way. If you're going to be like, it's not a, you know, sexy name or like the 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 one that you prefer. Like if they're if jobs open up or like if there's a market, like I feel like his name goes up to the top right there with a, a, another name that we'll mention here in M.A. Udoka, which is a kind of a different situation. But in terms of caliber coach, I mean, he he probably should be at the top, actually. You know, if you're if you're just kind of listening based off of resume and results and what you've seen um so and so if anything like once we get a greater greater sense for what the landscape looks like i would be more concerned with th there being like a, a competition for for frank go frank vogel right like like almost competing for him I, I don't know how demand he he is in right now but i would assume that he should be it, it, like it, more than one team should want him you, know? you would think but like you said, there's only one other team that has an yep. opening right now, and I don't, I haven't seen Frank Vogel on the Pistons list at this me point. Neither. And, yeah, and, we, and there may wind up, I mean, I'm sure there will wind up being other openings at some point, at least of the 20 teams that made the play-in or the playoffs. So we'll have to wait and see. But I think one of the aspects of, of Vogel that maybe turns teams off is that he's been fired by 10% of the league. And so, you know, I don't, you know, I think sometimes that can be hard to sell is that, okay, here's this guy, but you know what? He was fired by this team. He was fired by that team. Then he was fired just a couple of years ago. So why are we hiring this guy again? And that was kind of the thing with Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni, I think he'd been fired by, by more than he'd been fired by like five teams by the time that the Rockets hired him. So it's, you know, it, it's one of those, it's, it's, there's the PR aspect of it where Let's be honest. If you if somebody tweets out Frank Vogel has been hired as the head coach of the Houston Rockets, that's not going to get overwhelming praise by the fan base. I think that we can both agree on whether or not they're wrong. You yeah. know, that's a whole other conversation. But I just don't know. He's he's not the type of exciting name that you're that's going to you know get a fan base fired up. But that was the case with D'Antoni. Nobody wanted D'Antoni. I remember when D'Antoni was hired, just how that that was ripped everywhere. Except for me, I was one of the few people who defended it, and I really liked the hire at the time, and I turned out to be very right about that. Just, yeah. you know, just want to bring that up. Well, no, that was the point. I was going to actually make that point. I'm glad you made it because I was going to say, by the way, that did work out. You know, like that team immediately looked different, was better. James Harden became a different player, became an MVP-level player. And, and, I mean, he was already, like, really, really good. But, like, I feel like this really changed it, changed things, made him a point guard, and did all kinds of really cool things. Um, and, and that team was exciting and, and, and great fun to watch and competitive. So like that for as widely panned as it, as it may have been at the time that actually, uh, that actually, that actually worked out really well. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, if anything, I'll, I'll make this point before we move on about fans and how they respond to these different names and, and these candidates, they should feel good about this. <laughs> like, you should feel really good. I mean, there there are names that you should feel 
maybe not even as good about it as a Frank Vogel. Like to even be in a conversation to be able to get a coach like that or some of these other names that we're going to mention, Rockets fans should feel like they're in a really good position right now. So this is, I mean, of course you're going to nitpick. That's what we're here for and pick things apart. But feel good, generally speaking, overall about sort of like how I opened the show, um, sort of the the candidate pool right here. So, so let's move. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Well, here, because uh, we mentioned, and I'll list these again, outside of Frank Vogel, who's already interviewed, apparently. You've got Sam Cassell, Sixers assistant coach, obviously, of Rockets fame from the 90s. Um, they've requested to interview Kenny Atkinson, who is an assistant coach for the Golden State Warriors. Um, Adrian Griffin. Um, who's been a lead assistant for a number of teams. Adrian Griffin's been a lead assistant for at least three teams um, and obviously played in the league. Kevin Young, who is uh, with the Phoenix Suns, and James Borrego, who was most recently the head coach uh, of the Hornets, um, but also has a background um, with the Spurs, was a longtime assistant with the Spurs, if I remember correctly. Right. Right. So what was that? What was that? Oh, yeah, and Coach Orlando, that's right, because he he took over. For How did that work? He took over for Jacques Vaughn, and I, yeah. believe, I believe Frank Vogel took over for him. I might have that. I might, you know, I might have that off by a year. I think there might have been Scott Skiles might have been in there for a year in between, but there wasn't much overlap between um, the the Vaughn Borrego duo to to Vogel. But I think there was one. I think there was a Scott Skiles year in between that group. Yeah, because I feel like did. I thought Borrego worked for Scott Skiles, but either way, I could be I, now. Now I'm confused, but but either way, that's it. That's who he is, and uh, and of course, we mentioned earlier, Ime Udoka is a clear and obvious candidate who we expect them to talk to or interview at some point. Uh, should be hearing about that. Let's start with Sam Cassell here for obvious reasons. Um, we talked about him a little bit in the last one because you mentioned him as kind of a. I don't know if sleeper is the right word, but just as a name to look out for, someone to think about when we're starting to, to talk about Rockets head coaching candidates. And now they've been uh, they've been given permission by the by the by the Sixers to interview Sam Cassell. What do you think about this? I'm I am a fan of this. I don't think that Sam Cassell is necessarily the best candidate that they have on this list, but I do think for for me personally. He's the most, and he is the one that I am most intrigued by for a number of reasons. What do you think about him as a candidate? Well, he, he's certainly not the most qualified. Like, let's get that out of right. the way. Right. Yes. 
you know, we're going to be talking about a bunch of guys who have already been head coaches before and already had a lot of success as head coaches before in the league. But he is intriguing because he's a guy who has really paid his dues as an assistant. He did it in Washington, and then he's been with Doc Rivers now for almost a decade, both in L.A. and now in Philly. And he's interviewed for multiple head coach jobs, you know, in the past, including the Rockets back uh, in 2020 after Mike D'Antoni left. So he's been on the radar for a lot of teams now for a while. He just hasn't been able to get that one job. But obviously he links the, the, the Rockets love talking about the past. They love talking about 94. They love talking about 95. There's a room in Toyota Center called the 94-95 room. You know, it's a big deal. They Obviously those are the two championships. They they love reminiscing. That's all they got, Adam. That's all they got. Is. Um, so that they, they love reminiscing on that past. He kind of links that past with the future. I, I do think that's something that they would value. So I, I certainly think that he should be in the mix. Again, he's earned that opportunity. Um, he has he's paid his dues as an assistant coach, and that's what you you want to see. And he also has a little bit of a connection now with James Harden having coached him now for the last season and a half. I don't know if, you know, if Harden is his pregame workout guy, I, I'm not sure. I, I have not seen Sixers workouts, you know, pregame workouts this season. So I don't know if that's the case, but again, they've worked together for a while. So I imagine they do have some sort of a relationship, which could matter when we get to the summer. Yeah. So Sam Cassell, there's obviously some nostalgia and connection to the area and to the franchise that we've already gone over. So th there is that, but beyond that, just as a coach, you mentioned him paying his dues like specifically i like the way like uh, aside from just paying the dues i like the way that he's mentored young players and you know there's a respect level that comes with him being sam cassell but specifically as a coach you know john wall you want to talk about degrees of separation and connections you know john wall is somebody who has credited sam cassell for his early development for being there early on um, in his time in Washington. Um, there, and there have been a number of players who talk about, you know, using Sam Cassell as some sort of counsels and, and using him as somebody that, um, that they trust and that they'll, that they'll talk to and that they, whose opinion that they really believe in how that, like how his credibility in basketball circles translates to being a head coach. I'm not exactly sure, but I'm interested to, to see it. I would be interested to see it. I think it's, you know, intriguing. Um, and beyond that, I would say the thing that I like most about Sam Cassell is his temperament or the fact that it, that I, I know, I feel pretty comfortable saying that Sam Cassell has an edge to him. You know, just from being around him as a little child at the Fondy Rec Center all the way up to very recently, the video, like at the very least, Adam, we can say this. And this, you know, we'll talk about this, what the, what this team needs exactly. Uh, in terms of culture shifts and, and things like that, that's something we'll get into. But but one thing that I think that the head coach could use or th that they wouldn't mind having, um, and you talk about going in a different direction from the guy that you just let go or the guy that you just had in that position, is somebody with a little bit of an edge to him. And Sam Cassell's got that. Because I've seen him on video. We've seen this. Sam Cassell, MFing. James Harden in a drill like and and they didn't get into like it wasn't confrontational it was just like it, well it was you know somewhat confrontational but it was basically like nah like correcting them like MF or no like this you know see like basically standing up to the uh to the star player um and, and 
let's be let's just be honest and i'm stating the obvious here there is not a player until uh, until and if they sign james Harden back on this team there is not a player who is as accomplished as that on this team i feel like he comes in with instant credibility but also comes in with a little bit of an edge to him and can can somewhat relate to the players connect to the players but also really hold them accountable and, and and grab their attention in ways that that maybe they they haven't in in the past or the way that the coaches haven't in the past so uh so I'd, I'd be interested to see that just from a personality standpoint like how that would mesh and how his mentorship would go with houston's young players like Jalen green and you know kevin porter jr and of course jabari smith who is somebody who i think would take well specifically jabari smith who would take well to sam cassell's coaching um, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I find that intrigue. I find him intriguing as a guy who, uh, who, like you mentioned, and I think appropriately mentioned is not even the first, second, or even probably third most qualified guy among this list of candidates. Yeah. And I do think they want somebody who is going to be, I guess, a little more heavy handed. Yeah. And I do think that that's one of the areas with Silas that it's just not who he is. You know, Silas just isn't going to be that heavy handed type of guy. You know, he said the one time that he one of the times at least we know about where he really got on guys was um, during that shoot around against Minnesota. And he said, you know, once word got out about that, that shoot around, you know, he basically said, I come from the school of Don Nelson and Don Nelson said you get six bullets a year. You know, I, I can I can really go at guys really six times because after that, it start it kind of starts to fall on deaf ears a little bit, you know. I don't know if that's the case. I, I, I don't know. I, you know. I'm not sure how NBA players think. But at the same time, I do think that you need to, you know, be willing to do it more than the six times. You know what I mean? Um, just have a little bit more fire just with that sort of stuff, especially with a young group. You know, it, I think it's different with a vet, with a veteran group. A veteran group, they can kind of police themselves. I think that's what made Mike D'Antoni really effective with those Rockets teams in, in 2018, 2019, in 2017, 2018, 2019, because they had a bunch of vets who just knew how to police themselves and they held each other accountable. You know, I think that that's what you want out of a veteran team. They don't necessarily need the coach to do it, but with a younger team, you do kind of need the co the coach to do it because you don't have anybody else who really has the uh, you know the uh, the sway within the locker room, or I guess the uh, I don't know the best word to say, it, but they they just they don't they don't have that. You know, you yeah, just, the equity, the yeah, the equity yeah, or the or the credibility yeah. and all of that. Yeah, you just can't do it at it. You can't do it when you're 22. You just yeah. can't. So yeah. So that's why I do think that you need that a little bit more as a head coach. And, you know, Sam Cassell is a guy who has had who had success as a player. He won three championships as a player. And he was, you know, a very, very important part of two of those. So I, I think that that matters as well. What do you think of M.A. Udoka as a candidate for the Rockets, as a head coaching candidate? I don't know exactly. Like, like he's been really good. <laughs> he's a really good assistant. Was really good in his year with the Celtics. Obviously a very odd way for his tenure to end there. I don't even know if you can call it, can you call it a year, tenure. Um, but his time there, I don't know what the right word is there, but like it's just an odd like to me, if I'm talking M.A. Udoka, the 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 only drawback of M.A. Udoka is the awkwardness of it. You know, like just not really knowing, hey, what's going on here? What happened here? What, what are you doing? Or can I should I even ask? I don't know. Like it's just weird. And you know, just just the fact that he came from a highly successful team that went to the finals and then all of a sudden he wasn't the coach anymore. Like what to do with that is, is strange. But then it, once you get past that part of it, if you can, and just get to the basketball part, it's like, 
yo, if they could get Emi Udoka, that is like, you know, close, pretty close to optimal. What do you think about him as a candidate for them? Well, he doesn't have a job for a reason. I mean, let that just, I think that's the, the key part is that there is a reason he doesn't have a job right now. So yeah. I have to know exactly what happened in Boston. I have to know every single detail of that story before I even go there. And yes. he's got to be upfront about it. He's going to have to be upfront about it in public if you do hire him. But I need to know all the details there. Um, I, I, and again, I don't know what happened. Um, but you hear players. I, I remember there was the stuff after it happened. And I think it was Matt Barnes who was saying how this was such an injustice. And, you know, the, the Celtics are doing him dirty. And then he went on like an Instagram live or something a few days later. Yep, yeah. nope. You know what? I was wrong. <laughs> the Celtics were totally in the right. Yeah. Now time has passed since that actually happened. But again, I need to know what went down. So, but you know what? That's a that's a. I'm glad you pointed that, that out because I remember that, and that's a key moment, a key like moment in time. It feels like where this happens with Matt Barnes, and it's not like. Like we know Matt Barnes has a podcast and does media and everything, but it's not just some gas bag out there giving a it's take. Not us. And, right. It's not us giving a take and then rethinking it and walking it back, to, you know, a little bit later. It's somebody who is informed and connected in the league, you know, in, in Matt Barnes, who thought one thing that that, let's be honest, seemed kind of atypical. For somebody, if we're a jock or somebody in that role to say, like if we're honest, like kind of like, oh, of course, you would say something like that. It was like, oh, you kind of eye roll. And then somebody clearly checked him on it and was like, nah, man, let me tell you. Man, we don't know, to be clear, we don't know what they told him, but we just know that they must have told him something because he come back singing a different song. So, so yeah, I, I don't know what to do with that at all. It feels like, it feels like everybody got uncomfortable with it. It, like once it all kind of came out, like with the, I, I guess more so with the way it was presented or the way that it came out. And that sort of got in the way of getting down to the truth of the matter or figuring out like at the very least, you know, like publicly, we should understand how egregious of a thing we're talking about here or what exact, what exactly are we talking about here? You know? Um, and I don't even want to like, <laughs> I mean, we've all heard rumors. Like, yeah. I, I don't even, I don't even want to like put, put out the, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you, you feel what I'm saying? Like, I'm kind of like towing this line. Like, I don't even want to like put out there what we've heard, but like, whatever it is, we need a little bit more, a little bit. We need a lot more clarity on it than what we have to kind of feel good and comfortable with, with even going there. Uh, like I said, from a basketball standpoint, it's like an obvious play. He's number one just on yeah. a basketball. Yeah, it's basketball. a it's such an obvious play on a basketball standpoint. Like you said, number one, arguably. And then and but it's just the other stuff. And you're like, okay, uh, you know, you want to feel good about about a, a new hire. You know, you don't want to go into it with with those kind of uh, uncomfortable feelings or, or or feeling like you're misleading your the public or like you you know like you haven't fully vetted the thing or whatever it is so they like you said i just reiterate what you said you definitely need to fully vet that um and, and it's worth doing um considering what i feel like it could mean like i i been fascinated with the idea of emi udoka in any environment in any setup young players veterans he's that guy's just a good coach you know now what kind of guy he is i have no idea i have no clue um, and, and what all of this is about, the reason why he could lead a team 
to the finals. Now, uh, granted, a, a team that was already good when he got there, but a, a lead a team to the finals and not be working there the next year and 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 have like vague explanations for why yeah um we 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 need to know more about that um definitely need to know more about that um but it's a it's a fascinating kind of hi- hypothetical okay let, let's just real quick before we move on just one more thing on Yudoka. yeah of if course do, for, if, the thing is if you hire him then he's like i said he has got to explain everything that went down like he just has to because those questions are going to be there that's what the press conference will be if he when he is introduced if he is introduced as the next head coach of the rockets that is what the press conference is going to be about it's going to be about what happened in boston and if you answer if you give me a bunch of non-answers or if you dance around it or if you say that's in the past i'm here to you know talk about the future that's not going to work you know so and and yeah. it's going to continue to follow him around the all of training camp all of the season so if you do hire him you've got to be forthcoming about everything because you can't just go from I'm coaching in the NBA finals to a few months later, I've now been suspended indefinitely. And then very quietly, the Celtics just, you know, cut all ties with him. I mean, that's a story. So why he is available is a huge, huge story. And it's one thing to vet him, but then you also have to be forthcoming about what happened and why you were available in the first place, or it's going to follow you around for a long time. It's, It's going to continue to follow you around and the organization around. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out the the right way to say this without being irresponsible. What I'm trying to say here is, like, if there is a question of M.A. Udoka's character or discipline, which I think is what the heart of what's going on is, like, has a lot to do with character, discipline, um, outside of the basketball realm. Okay, in in like personal and life and encounters and and endeavors, if there is an issue and question about that with him, that's serious enough for him to be out of a job after success where he came from. If 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 there is a, a serious enough question about that, there's also there also has to be a serious enough question if that's the type of person that you are trying to bring around young players that you're trying to mold and develop. You know, you say what you want about Stephen Silas, but my goodness. You know, I've got a seven-year-old son, and I can just hope to God that he is like a man, something like Steven Silas, you know, to hell with basketball. You know what I mean? Like it, the type of people that you're trying to bring around your organization and, and specifically, um, I'm not trying to make it seem like he's, he's coming and be their dad, but like that type of figure, you know, that type of, you know, and I don't know, like again, not father figure, but a mentor, leader, leadership type of figure for young guys who were born in the early 2000s, okay? Like you want you want that guy to be somebody that you feel good about being an influence, uh, a heavy influence on your young players. So that's what I yeah, said. And this is America. Everyone gets second chances in America. But again, yep. you got to be forthcoming about why you need the second chance in the first place. So be honest, be forthright, be, you know, be apologetic, all that stuff. But if you try and dance around it, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. Let's just run through real quick, rapid fire through these other candidates. We got Kim, and we mentioned some of them before, but we've got Kenny Atkinson, Adrian Griffin, Kevin Young, James Borrego. Who stands out to you? Just kind of give me your rapid fire thoughts on any and all of them. 
Uh, Adrian Griffin reminds me a lot of Sam Cassell. Uh, doesn't have quite the playing, doesn't have the playing yes, resume. That's a good point. In the organization, but he's been an assistant coach now for a while. A uh, I, was actually, I was actually looking. Um, so um, James Borrego, who I'll talk about in a second, uh, he he was the interim coach in Orlando when uh, when they fired Jacques Vaughn. And then Scott Skiles took over the next year and Adrian Griffin was one of his assistants. And then Skiles was gone after a year and then they hired Frank Vogel at that point. So okay. Griffin around, you know, he, he coached under, like I say, just coach, he coached under Scott Skiles. He's coached under Billy Donovan. He's coached under Nick Nurse, who is another guy who I'm sure we'll get to at some point during this process. So the resume is really strong. I think it's only a matter of time that he becomes a head coach in, in the NBA. Atkinson, we've talked about him. Uh, we talked about him, you know, the last time really strong resume having dealt with you know teams that are are young but you know the teams that he had success with in brooklyn were not teams that you say oh this is a, this team is super talented that those weren't his teams they were kind of you know underappreciated and he, and he made them into something and he built them into something and he really you know we'll talk about culture but he really kind of built that culture into what it was in brooklyn and then the stars got there and they kind of ruined the whole thing um young um from Phoenix is a, is an interesting name because in a sense, he's kind of like what Silas would have been like a decade ago, a, a young, really strong X's and O's guy. Uh, Devin Booker has spoken really highly of him in Phoenix. I'm not sure if he's the top assistant um, in, in Phoenix right now, but he's, I mean, he, he has kind of climbed up the ladder there uh, since Monty Williams took over. He's been with Monty Williams essentially uh, that entire stretch. So I think it's only a matter of time before he gets a head coaching job, but I don't know if that, it might be a little early for that at this stage, especially when, you know, the other guys that we're talking about have been head coaches in the league. And then Borrego is a really interesting case because, you know, he had the, the Orlando interim thing aside that, you know, kind of throw that away but spent a lot of time with the Spurs under Greg Popovich. And he was kind of a stealth finalist for the job in 2016 when they hired D'Antoni. And he's people think really highly of him. And he had a pretty decent run in Charlotte. And just for whatever reason, those seasons ended so poorly. And I don't know if he clashed with LaMelo Ball or what exactly the problem was, but they got to the play-in, you know, a couple times, and then they just got blown out of the play-in games. Um, so, he had kind of a weird exit and it was a big surprise when, when they fired him in Charlotte last year, but you know, Charlotte's kind of a dysfunctional run organ, you know, dysfunctionally run organization at this point. So maybe you get him into a different environment and that works better, but he's an interesting name. And I think that he's one of those guys. Remember Terry Stotts Stotts yeah. kind of got fired a couple different times. He had got a couple of bad jobs. He was in Milwaukee. He's in Atlanta, really no chance of winning back in the early two thousands. And then he got to Portland and it was a completely different situation. And they had a good infrastructure and they had a great player in Damian Lillard. And they had a ton of success during his stretch. They never won a championship, but you know, it wasn't because of coaching. So that to me is almost what James, what you could have with James Borrego, someone where you get him into a better situation, a better, you know, a better opportunity. He could really run with it. So I, I do think that makes him kind of an interesting name during this process. Yeah, with Borrego, <laughs> I asked this somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but kind of seriously. I, I wonder what folks that are part of the Orlando Magic, like, and and, and then more specifically the, <laughs> the Hornets organization, can you really blame someone for failing with the Hornets? Like, he, <laughs> he didn't really fail, though. Yeah, well, exactly. Ex well, and, and when, when I say fail, Adam, all, I, all I'm talking about is getting fired. 
you know, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm not even talking about his record. Like, yeah, I would agree with you. Like, I mean, it was a to, to talk about making lemonade out of taking lemons and making lemonade. Figure you did the best you could with it being Charlotte, but like you get fired from Charlotte and you're like, well, what was he supposed to do there? You know, with the, with the way that that organization is run. So, uh, so, so yeah, I, I, I think that that's uh, that that James Borrego is an interesting one. The only thing. And the, and the reason why I feel like that question about it is can you hold that against a guy getting fired from, from Charlotte? It's like, okay, well, he was in Charlotte, you know, like if Charlotte didn't want him, you know, why is he good enough? Yeah, I mean, like, is he, is it worth it? You know, like, it's kind of like a, almost like a lazy throwaway. But I, I think when you look at his background and the actual kind of just peel the layer back a little bit, you'll see that there's actually something to, to, the, to him there, you know, um, specifically with the Spurs background. And and even getting that job, like the 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 interim, like I'm trying to remember exactly how that season went, where he takes over, but but you you get those jobs, like they like they make you the interim and 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 show that extra vote of confidence. And I feel like it was early on when he took over that year too, and they they give you that extra vote of confidence. I feel like for a reason, you know, like you mentioned, he's a highly thought of guy, super respected guy. So that I find to be really interesting. Obviously, Kenny Atkinson is somebody who's been around forever, has a background. Uh, another another guy on this list we were talking about, along with Frank Vogel and Emi Udoka, who's already been a successful head coach. You've seen it already, so he would be to me toward the top of the list for that reason. Um, for that reason alone, having had success as a head coach already, we've seen it. Um, and then Adrian Griffin, we I mentioned earlier about him being a lead assist. The guy is like, you know, you mentioned earlier, very, very much analogous to. Sam Cassell in the sense of former player who's been an assistant for a decade, uh, but been a lead assistant at a number of places now. Um, and, and you laid it out a, a moment ago with the Orlando background, but did it under Billy Donovan with the Thunder. Um, it's been under Nick Nurse, um, and we can get into Nick Nurse as well here um, in a moment. But Adrian Griffin re- reminds me of Cassell in the sense of somebody that has put in the work, put in the time, been respected enough to be a lead assistant in multiple places. And so makes it makes a lot of sense for this to be like a, the next logical step for him, you know, to kind of be like next up in a, in a position like this. And I, I kind of like the coaches, you know, who have been career assistants, but they have coached under a lot of different head coaches. That was one of the things that you kind of like about Silas that Silas worked, you know, he coached under his dad, but he also coached under Don Nelson. He coached under Rick Carlisle. I think that stuff, and he coached under uh, Steve Clifford as well. I mean, that stuff matters. You look at Adrian Griffin. um, He coached under um, Scott Skiles in Milwaukee and in Orlando. He coached under Tibbs in Chicago. He's coached under Billy Donovan. He's coached under Nick Nurse. I mean, those are a bunch of really good head coaches that are, that, that are on that list. And for him to have learned under them, I think that that matters. So, you know, I think, I don't know if it's kind of a strike against Cassell, but the fact that Cassell has spent really not not his entire career because he did have those years in Washington, but such a, a a majority of his career has been under just Doc Rivers. So the fact that you have a guy in Griffin who has coached under a lot of different coaches and seen a lot of different styles and seen kind of so he has kind of an idea of what he thinks works and what he thinks doesn't work. I think that's important also. Do you think that they could even uh, just on the because we mentioned we did mention Kevin Young. I, I kind of want to go back here real quick. Do you think they could go that route again? Like after fire after dismissing a, a, a Steven Silas and you're 
transitioning. You say you need a new voice. It would obviously be a new voice because it'd be a different person. But it seems like it would be a similar profile in terms of uh, young. And, and Silas, I should, I should be. Maybe, maybe that's not fair because he's been a, an assistant for so long, and he and he looks a lot younger than he actually is. But I, maybe the the better way to frame this question is: after going with a first time head coach, can you then go with such a young coach or such a um, inexperienced coach to to back that up? Like, does it? Does it feel like it's got to be one of these more experienced guys or could they go outside of the box and get like an up and comer? You would think that they would go for someone with more experience, but, you know, you sit down with one of these guys and you talk to them and say, hey, this is our guy. You know, maybe maybe they just blow you away with just the vision that they have. And I think that's what matters when you get into the room more than anything else. And, and Rafael Stone said this on Monday is that you want somebody who shares your vision in the future of the organization. So if any of these assistants who don't have any head coaching experience come and they say they, they they're in the room and they, they kind of run down what their vision is for the future. And it feels like they have a great plan. And the, the, the guys who have head coaching experience don't, then you got a guy with, you got to go with the guy whose vision is aligned with yours, because I think that's how you have a good working relationship. And I think that's how you grow as an organization. So it all depends on what happens in the room. I mean, if one guy blows you away, then maybe that's the guy that you have to go with. I don't think that you can kind of lock yourself in this box of, well, we want to get, we, we hired a first time head coach the first time. We can't do that now. Now we have to go with somebody who doesn't have any experience. I mean, you got to go with who you think is going to be the best guy. I don't think you can say, I don't think you can say, oh, we got it. We, we did box A the, the last time. So we got to go to box B this time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I feel like that's more of a tendency, but I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. You got to go with whoever your convictions say is the best guy for the position. Let me ask you this about Nick Nurse. Mm -hmm. What's going on with Nick Nurse, man? <laughs> I wish I could tell you. What the hell is that about? You know, like, I don't get it. The guy, I mean, now, I mean, <laughs> I guess the the recency bias uh, would say you know um, play in tournament. I don't know. Like to me, Nick Nurse should have a, a, some sort of built up. I mentioned the word equity earlier. It feels like he should have some built up equity within the Raptors organization, and that, and that he should have some kind of connection there of wanting to be there. Um, and maybe it is a matter of money. I don't know. I don't. What the hell is going on there? Like. They, if there's anything they should be wanting to keep, it feels like it should be Nick Nurse. Um, that that to me would also be odd for different reasons, obviously, but that would also be odd if he were to be available to me. It, sometimes you just need a change of scenery, and yeah. I, yeah. I think that both sides could probably say, you know what, we need, we just, I think we might be better off, you know, both sides just moving in a different direction. I I don't know the inner workings of Toronto. I don't know that relationship between Nick Nurse and Masai Ujiri. Maybe they aren't quite as aligned now as as they were in the past. I mean, that organization feels like it's in a little bit of flux where you have these young guys on one hand, and then you've got kind of the, the holdovers from the championship team with Van Bleed and, and with Ananobi. Um, so yes, yeah. also. So they're, they're in kind of a, they're in a little bit of a purgatory right now. So I, I, I don't know. It's a, uh, it is odd to say the least, um, you know, the way that that season went down, there were some really high expectations for them. You know, last year they won 40 plus games. They, they were the sixth seed in the East. You know, they took a couple games off Philly in the first round and you felt that, you know, 
that organization is only going up because all those guys were young. They were bringing back the entire roster, and then it they it just they never fired off this year for whatever reason. So um, I, I would love to know the inner workings of what went down there. But I don't think there's any doubt that Nick Nurse would be a quality, you know, head coach that you want to look at. It's just, you know, for the from from a Rocket standpoint, you know, if he's making eight to ten million dollars in in Toronto, he's going to want more than that. You know, you're going to have to make a huge financial commitment in order to hire a guy like Nick Nurse, and I well, we'll have to wait and see if the Rockets would be willing to do that. Yeah, yeah, man, it's just a. It's just an odd thing. I I guess I hadn't thought about that too, though. How you mentioned that they got the the weird combination of players, though, as well of you know the holdovers and the new guys, you know, the old guard and the new guard. It, it's a it's an interesting thing. Um, but Nick Nurse being available um, is <laughs> you know again to have. Let's just put it like this: to be in a hiring cycle where you could potentially have. Two guys, two two former head coaches, or and and I guess in Nurse's case, still a head coach, but two coaches who have won a championship be available to you, and another one who went to one in his first year as a head coach, and another guy who has had success as a head coach, and Kenny Atkinson, who would be, I guess, you know, throw him forth in there. Um, that's wild to me. That like that 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 that's the opportunity in front of you that and that's not to say that all of those guys necessarily would say would for sure say yes to the rockets i'm sure if you threw them enough money they probably would but just the idea that you could be in that situation to me like i opened this thing up with gotta be exciting for rockets fans i'll just ask you this question before we move on well and normally when you get into these cycles you might have five six seven maybe even eight jobs available yeah. But right now, you got one other job. It's the Rockets and Pistons right now. And it seems like the Pistons are going with a completely different list of candidates to fill their job. So you, a lot of times you'll have maybe you'll have a bunch of jobs open and you'll have the same teams competing for the same names. It seems like right now you have two jobs that are open and those teams are competing for completely different names at this point. So you essentially almost have your pick of whoever you want. That, at least that's what it feels like right now. Yeah. It seems like the only one, the only crossover I saw, and, and I'm, I'm just, I'm throwing this out there cause I didn't I just saw it in a headline. Uh, but uh, the only crossover I saw was Doka for, for the Pistons. Mm-hmm. So other than that, I don't know of any other crossover. And Udoka, obviously, like like we say, there's some complications there that speak to his candidacy and and and, and how good you want, might feel about that. But if 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 all is clear and it's just about basketball, if you could answer for the other things um, that 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 honestly are, are more important and can be more important, um, then you know that's that would be an interesting sort of bidding war possibility there, uh, and which which. Again, to my last question on this. For you, out of the candidates that we've gone over, if you were to say of a best fit, who do you think is the best fit for the Rockets in their position now? Is that even something that we could that we could ascertain at this point? Um, or is it is it more about just kind of the opportunity? Like like and by that I mean, you know, is it is it fair to compare some of these other situations, some of their other experience to the ones that they're going to have now? Like, is it, should we just wipe the slate clean for some of these guys? And and then especially the ones who haven't, obviously who haven't done it, you know, who haven't seen do it. Like, how would you, 
how would you sort of view this from a fit standpoint based off of the candidates that we got? In all honesty, the best fit is probably somebody who who he didn't talk about today, and that's Scott Brooks, because Scott Brooks is a head coach that has that has basically coached the exact situation that the Rockets are in right now, and he's had success with it. So to me, if you're just looking for overall who would be like because I know I know what Scott Brooks can do with a really, really young team because I've seen it happen. It happened, you know, less it happened a little more than a decade ago. So that's why I, I would say him again, it kind of falls into the same um box as Vogel, where he's not going to be the most exciting name out there, but I do know what he can do in this type of a situation. I, I don't think the Rockets have requested to interview him yet, which is somewhat surprising because he was one of the names that we talked about on Sunday. But that to me might be the guy who would be the best fit of the guys that we talked about. I, I don't know. I, I hesitate to say Vogel, but I do think that he would certainly help them. I don't know how he would do with the team this young, because, you know, while he had a, a youngish team in Indiana, you still had David West who was older. You, um, you had, um, I don't know if you necessarily call Roy Hibbert older, uh, but he was a guy who had at least been to college for a while. Yeah, so Dan, Danny Danny what, Granger and George yeah, Hill were on that team. Yeah, yeah. George Hill's a really good name uh, that he had there too. So it's not like he had a bunch of 22-year-olds there, but they were a team that when he got there, they had not won. And then that that group really grew together uh, with the you know with Paul George, you know, developing and, and adding George Hill to that mix. So I, I don't think you can go wrong with Vogel. I don't think you can really go wrong with any of these. I mean, I think that's why it's a really good situation because really all that matters is the talent on the roster. And, and I think that we would all agree the talent on the roster is, is solid at this point. It's just about, you know, those guys getting better. And a lot of that happens, you know, organically. So I don't think that they can really go. I, I don't know. I, I guess the better question is, is there anybody on this list that you would say this would be a disaster? Mm. Well, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, for basketball reasons, no. Uh, Kevin Young for me is the biggest question mark because I feel like that's who we know least about. He's yeah, he's forty-one. Yeah, so I mean, just just based off of least information, I would say Kevin Young. Um, and then and then of course for for non-basketball reasons, of course the MAU Doka thing that's out there. Uh, but but of course if that if like you don't even you don't even do it if that's an issue, mm -hmm. right? And if it's not, then I mean that ceiling's pretty high on that. So. So yeah, no, no. I would say there is not a candidate on here. Kevin Kevin Young would come the closest. Um, I'll say this though about Scott Brooks, and I mean this is no disrespect, but the 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 difference though, the key difference is, by the time Scott Brooks got there, I feel like we had a pretty good sense for Kevin Durant was going to be something like Kevin Durant. You know that Kevin Durant was a very rare and different type of figure and player on your team and i don't feel like we can say that about any rockets player yet like as far as having that type that level of foundational piece and that's not a knock on anybody right oh you're not kevin durant oh well sue me right like he kevin durant is arguably one of one and 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 in rarefied era in like nba history in terms of scores and players so there's no shame in that but that is the difference and then russell westbrook in his own right i think you know, I think ideally you're feeling like you've got players that, that could be on that trajectory to be that level of player. But I don't feel like you know that for sure yet in, mm -hmm. in terms of Russell Westbrook winning an MVP and 
just to, I mean, his career speaks for him for itself. I don't have to rattle off everything that he's done. So, like, you get it. Uh, they they definitely had players that early on you were able to identify and say, oh, the these are different kind of guys, you know, upper echelon type of guys. And of course, James Harden comes along there right after that and, and you know, serves as their sixth man and is playing down the stretch in key moments and all of that. So it's a little bit different from the makeup of the team. I feel like Scott Brooks, uh, you, you could make a case that in, in some cases that he was babysitting uh, out there and, and was gifted a really good situation there, Oklahoma City just being well run and drafting well. Um, but but I would agree at least, though, that it's surprising that they haven't at least uh, since, you know, you're doing your due diligence and there is a seemingly a connection there and a, lo- a logical connection there. It's a little bit surprising that they haven't reached out. I almost forgot about them until you mentioned yeah. but But don't forget Washington. Because Washington, Washington, yes, yes, yes. Before he got there, they weren't in the playoffs. They missed the playoffs in 2016. And then in 2017, they were, you know, basically a Kelly Olynyk explosion away from going, you know, to the Eastern Conference Finals. So, I mean, there, so the the, the beginning of Washington, I think, should matter with Brooks. And then, you know, at the end, Wall got hurt. And then that whole thing really became just they're just trying to climb out of the wall hole at that point. But I, I do think that that first year that he had with the Wizards is something that you should have, that people should at least consider when you look at, you know, his, his resume. All right, man, we're running late. Let's get out of here on this, man. Cause you were there for Raphael Stone, Rockets general manager, Raphael Stone spoke with reporters earlier in the week. This was right after dismissing or upon the announcement of Steven Silas's dismissal talked for about what was it about 30 you talked to you guys talked to him for about 30 minutes right guys talked to the general manager of the Houston Rockets for about half an hour and he talked about a number of things what he's looking for what they're looking for in the head coach defended the move why they made this move why they felt like they needed to make the change all of that but I think the biggest thing and, and the reason why it's great to just get to you with this because you were the one that asked him about the culture because it has been criticized he disputed that it's been a lot but man it feels like it's been a lot like dude, dude, I, maybe a lot is in the eye of the beholder but it sure feel like a lot to me and I don't, I don't know if you even said a lot in your question i don't feel like you did but either way what did you make of of course you asked the questions don't get to pick the answers but what did you make of rafael stone's defense of all of it his explanation for uh for 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 the silas firing the the direction they want to go in and then more specifically the defense of the culture um what what were your some of your actually let let me change that i just thought about that just thought about what my actual question is what about this culture needs to change if anything I don't know. Um, I never thought that. And I, and I wanted to give him an opportunity to respond to some of the stuff that has been said about the organization over the last few months. You can really even take it back further to uh, to last summer when, Ken, when uh, Kenyon Martin really went after you know, what was happening here. So I wanted to give them the opportunity to respond. Um, and I was, you know, he was strong in his language defending it. He, he said that this was, you know, he said that he would fight anyone who would question the culture. He said that this is like, the best culture of any team that he's been around, which is probably saying probably a little bit strong, but you know, <laughs> a little bit, you think? Slightly. A little bit of a stretch, maybe. 
Well, maybe some of the culture has not been great here, though, in the past. He, he kind of took a shot at, at the Daryl Morey era Rockets where it's like, hey, you know, people don't like us because of of, stu- of past teams, which I'm pretty sure was was a Daryl thing. Or- yeah, I, I was going to ask you if you checked under that bus to see if Daryl was pancaked or if he was still like asking for help or what, like what, like what was Daryl's status under that bus that he threw him under? I think he's probably still counting the money from uh, from when he left the team a couple years ago. So I think Daryl's doing okay. I, I think that you know for that that you know they they let him go, <laughs> they paid him off to go, and then he was allowed to to go to a new team like a month later. So I think that he you know the Rockets could probably afford to run him over the bus a couple times just just for that very reason. But yeah, he he was obviously very full throated with the defense of, of the organization. Um, I, I the one thing I never thought that the players on the team disliked each other. Like, I think, I do think that's important where, you know, you want your guys to be close. You want your guys to, you know, at least be friendly, especially when they're this young. So I, I do think that's the one thing that matters. And, and I've been around teams where you could tell these guys don't like each other at all. And I never got that vibe with this Rockets team. They're always talking. They're always around each other, whether it's on the road, whether it's after games. So I do think that sort of stuff is important, but you know, the thing that I asked him too was, does the perception of the team just simply change when you start winning games? And I think that that is probably what it is more than anything else is that when you've lost is, I think they've lost 177 games the last three years. When you lose 177 games in a three year span, people are going to start to question the culture. Um, So if you start winning games and all of a sudden nobody cares about any of the other stuff, but you know, the thing, I I think it, it stood out because of what wall said, you know, wall really was the one who got this whole thing going and, you know, like Rafael Stone did not, you know, criticize Wally. He said, Wally is, you know, he's, he's welcome to his opinion on some of this stuff. So I, I, I don't know what to make of, of the culture stuff, uh, but I did want to give them the opportunity to at least address it because um, this stuff has been out there now for months and nobody with the team really has said anything other than, than Silas and Silas is no longer with the team now. Yeah, I feel like a coaching change and the right coaching change. And we just went over it. It feels like they got a really good opportunity to make the right coaching change. Cause it doesn't seem like they got too many bad options. If any, I feel like that could be the culture change that they need. It could simply be that. Now there are questions about, you know, it's been out there of Raphael stones involvement or, or meddling, whatever exact word you want to use to characterize that uh, in, in terms of like his, his influence on the day-to-day with the team and all of that. And I, I do wonder, we didn't, we didn't talk about this, but now that we're here, I, I do wonder what, like how that plays in and factors in more or less with prospective coaches. Like what do they want to know about that? What standards are they going to set with, you know, ahead of time when they say, hey, look, because, you know, you're interviewing for a job, you want the job, but at the same time, you're, I mean, we've, we've all interviewed for jobs, you're interviewing them too, and you're sort of setting the standard for, hey, well, if I come here, this is, I, I kind of want it to be like this, you know, so I wonder what, how that, sort of those conversations play out and how it goes, but, but, but if that, if that's a bigger problem than I'm letting on right now, and I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to know exactly how much of a problem it is, but if it's a bigger problem than I'm letting on, I would say that's a, th- a part of the culture that would need to change and need to shift. You need to probably rethink the roles and the vo- and, and exactly how you use your voice within the organization, how that's going to ch- how that is going to change and adjust to the new coach, you know, into the new situation. So 
I mean, we're talking about there the, the politics of the front office and, and the dynamics between the front office and the head coach, but that's going to be important. I think, you know, I, I think, I do think that's going to be important and I, and I don't know how much about it exactly needs to change and what about it specifically needs to change. Cause I'm just, I'm not there, but if there's a problem there, they need to fix it. Like they need to like do some introspection and really think about it and, and not allow it to get in the way of this opportunity. And the GM of the team has every right to be in meetings because, you know, at the end of the day, if the owner wants to know what's going on, he's going to ask the GM and the GM needs to have an answer. So if, if Tillman Fertitta wants to know why player X is starting over player Y, then Rafael Stone needs to be able to answer that question. And if sitting in meetings is part of that, then Hey, so be it, but he can't be leading the meetings. I mean, you hire a head coach, you got to let that, you got to hire a head coach, the head coach hires staff. You have to let them do their jobs. Now, I don't know, and this is gonna. This will be something for Stephen Silas if we ever get to that point. Did Stephen Silas ever feel like? And I want. I wanted to ask him this, and I never got the chance. But did you feel like? And this would be my question: Did you feel like you had full autonomy to do the job when you had it? And that's one thing that I would like to know from Stephen Silas and um, whoever they wind up hiring. That's going to be one of the first questions: Is will you be able to do everything that you want to do? as the head coach of the team. Yeah, man, you know, this, it was, man, I, I, I didn't look this up before because a version of that question, but not that question exactly was asked by Sarge, I think, by our guy, Big Sarge, asked Silas about this. Um, and I think I typed in the wrong thing. I put in change, I mean, to put in chance, but feel like he said he there there's a there's a there is a quote of something to the effect of was it all like you know like silas is a professional so mm -hmm. i feel like the quote was something pretty diplomatic to the effect of hey was it was it always was it completely fair no but i always tried to make cody. the best of it that was cody davis was it cody okay i'm a if i if this was in the loop they would drop a race card on me because i knew it was one of my black friends in this here media so uh so my bad shout out to sarge anyway but even more of a shout out to my guy cody davis that's right yeah cody davis now i gotta look at that I was, I was looking up my wrong black friend um cody davis had the quote though like you know was this do you feel like you were put in a situation to succeed and he to paraphrase basically more or less in a very diplomatic and professional and kind way said no you know, like that, that is the, that is the end. That is not me and uh, take making large logical leaps there. That is basically what the man said. Basically like, no, but I tried my best. So I mean, basically yeah. like, we're all lucky to have these jobs. It was yeah. the answer. And I think everyone, everyone knew what they, we, we talked about this, but everyone knew what the season was going to be. And you just try and make the best out of it. And then you evaluate who you have as, as the head coach moving forward. And I think ultimately they felt like they needed somebody else to get them into the next stage of, of the rebuild. And I think that they, it, they are fine for having that opinion. Um, I think if you talk to people within the organization, they would tell you that if you give Steven Silas a team with a top five player, he would absolutely thrive and, get the at the utmost out of that team but i think that with a younger group like and that's the team that he had that that's the team he was supposed to coach 
But if you give him a team like this, and I, I don't, I don't know if this is the best, the best sort of team for him. I think that's what they would tell you within the organization. This is the first time this has ever happened in the history of our podcast, and we're we're right here at the end of it. But literally, I forgot to put put my laptop charger in, and the damn thing's about to die. So one second. <laughs> All right. I hate that, that happened. I hate that that happened, but we're not going to even edit it out since it did happen. I think it's I think it's kind of just great and organic. But really, man, my last thing and, and I I think I said all I had to say about the culture and everything like I, it is not my intention to, to like rag on these guys. I just want them to get it right. Shout out to you, uh, Raphael Stone uh, in this coaching search, man. Get it right. You know, do you do you do your thing, guys? Um, we want you to get it right. But there's there's reason for skepticism like like you're gonna do the 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 staunch defense i'm like he's acting like this stuff is coming out of nowhere like like there's no reason to to kind of side eye what they've got going on and, and to say that it's not a lot man it's not a little we're talking, talking about the criticism remember he told he said that it's like it's not a lot it ain't a little like we <laughs> almost we want to stretch there where every episode we had to decide whether like is this worth is this edition of rockets bashing worth bringing to the show uh you know what i mean like um i think i just what did he say some of them what did he what was his first he's like some of them are out of their mind yeah I, I, <laughs> he, also, he called some of them lazy i mean so i mean yo there is there was a lot like there was a lot I think that they who's, will... who's uh, hold on who's out of their mind, Adam. Who do you think he's talking about? Who who is that? Is uh, it is it the TNT guys? Like I think Kendrick Kenny might have said something at some point. Uh, JJ Reddick had something. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't follow up. <laughs> I didn't follow up. Who's on... out of their mind, Raphael? Who is out of their mind? Who needs a psychiatric eval for for their <laughs> criticism of the Rockets? We need to know. This well, is, um, we can this ask about. This is impact journalism here that we need to conduct. Um, yeah, man. Uh, before we get, do you have any? Do you have any play-in hot takes before we get out of here? We can, we 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 can we can wrap this thing up. Any play-in hot takes? My the only thing I got really, man, because um, I I mean I watch these games, but it hit me all of a sudden watching, like watching that, um, watching that Atlanta. Miami game, it hit me in the face like, oh my God, the East play-in is a complete waste of time. And and that's what I'm left with now. Like the I am interested, like the, the only one, the only game that I was really interested in was the Wednesday night game uh with with the young team with, with New Orleans and Oklahoma City. Those are the only teams in this play-in that I look at, and I'm like, those look like either really interesting teams to watch or playoff teams. Whereas the rest of them, I'm like, okay, the Lakers have LeBron and AD. I get it. Okay, great. And they are better than they were. But like, I, I'm like, uh, this is, this is the epitome of slapping lipstick on a pig. Cause I like basketball and I'm going to watch basketball if you put it on TV. But this, especially the Eastern conference side is, feels like a waste of time to me just playing. 
I mean, for the most part, they always are just because how often does a one seed beat an eight seed? How often does a two, does a seven seed or how often does an eight seed beat a one? How often does a seven beat a two? So, I mean, uh, whoever, I guess the the Lakers is kind of the one that that's a little bit different just because you, you probably go into that series and the Lakers, you can probably argue have the two best players on the floor with LeBron and with Anthony Davis. You might, I don't know if, if you put John Moran ahead of those guys, but Obviously, what they've done over the course of their, their career speaks for itself. Right. Um, I, I like high leverage games. I, I like the games where a team might have to go home. Um, the playing kind of got ruined because I don't know if ruined is the right word, but it got cheapened a little bit because, you know, one team went into the last two games of the season with a chance to be in the play in and they punted. So I don't think that's a great testament to the importance of the play in ultimately. But I do like it. I, I like having. You know, these it, it turns out to be six games, um, you know, leading you into the playoffs because it's it's they're high leverage because, again, you know, at least, you know, the, the Wednesday games, whoever loses goes home. And then tomorrow you have two elimination games. So I think that's cool. I, I like that. I, I like elimination games. So I, I've enjoyed it. I'm glad that they did it. Um and obviously it has some staying power. I don't know if there's a way to make it better. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure there isn't, but, you know, I, I've, I've enjoyed it. I'm glad that, they, like I said, I enjoyed it. I, I'm glad that it's something that they did and it looks like it's it's here to stay. So I'm all for it. Yeah. Well, you and I obviously enjoy basketball and that that's what I've enjoyed about it. But I think you raise a good point. And, and maybe this just didn't resonate with me enough because I want to say I fell asleep on each of the later games like event like watch the game you you guys know like eventually i'm just gonna hit a wall and i'm gonna fall asleep and i'm not gonna fight it and i fell asleep on the games caught up in the morning and everything and so the stakes didn't really sit with me as or resonate with me as much as just like all right we're at we're especially at this time of year we're i mean we're pretty limited on what we've got to watch and this is like this is basketball this is the time of year where you watch basketball so I'm just locked in anyway, uh, stakes or not. And just the time of year means that the stakes are getting higher because we're getting in, you know later into the basketball season. But to your point, I think you attached what, what works and what will always work to me about the tournament, even if you've got teams that are punting, is that there are stakes tied to the game. And you can always sell stakes. Hey, this matters. Win or go home. Like winter go, I mean, that's what what works about March Madness, right? You know, um, when to play for the opportunity to win or go home, you know, for, or to, to go to go home, you know, like it's a it is a good like psychological play on the sports fan because we think that the game matters more than it really does. Because at the end of the day, I mean, you're really just watching miami and atlanta two teams that don't have a chance to do nothing but it feels important you know you're watching the lakers who you think because they got lebron and ad if they win and they get in they they can make a run at it but man you watch those games and you're like man i don't think they're good enough and i don't i don't think that they're i I don't think that they're they are a lot better than they were but i don't think that they're quite good enough to to really do anything in these playoffs but Stakes are high, and it's been fun watching. We will talk more Rockets, obviously, uh, on the next episodes. Uh, of course, we've got in about a month, we got the draft lottery. And I don't know if you guys heard, but the Rockets got some stakes in that. Okay. The Rockets got some stakes in that. So we'll be breaking some things down between now and then. 
uh, of course, the draft later on in June. So plenty of stuff to break down, coaching interviews, figure out who's the next head coach going to be um, and, and what the future of this Rockets organization is going to look like, man. So make sure you are subscribing to the H-Town Hoops podcast, rate it, review it, tell people about it, word of mouth, anything that you can do. Um, we appreciate it. And for Adam Spillane, Austin Mendez producing this thing for us. I'm Brandon Scott. Till next time, y'all be good.